a good land party back in the day was very fun. I prefer D&D. I prefer getting all the boys together to smash. Classic. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. You know, it's like a seance. A strong enough spirit can be brought back with a proper text. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos. The gore lover, Alexis. Bitch, that's cheating. I'm not even dead yet. And the Supreme Queen, Paris. This thing is gay. The people have spoken, the votes have been tallied, and our patrons have decided which movie we're covering this week. Before we give up the goods, though, we have some follow-up. You want to talk about a vote? We recently reviewed The Slumber Party Massacre from 2021, a reimagining of a classic horror franchise. And I actually was not on this episode, but I have to throw it out there. I did watch the movie on a plane, and I actually am going to hack... No, wait, not hack. I'm actually going to slash it um, because it was just over the top and stupid enough intentionally so that i was like you know what i am entertained the whole first part i was like hack this but then when the the twist came and you're like oh i was like okay so this is stupid and fun uh so i'm actually gonna slash this absolutely love that but that does not count because i was not on this episode what does count however is what our listeners thought and the results are in 43 percent of them gave it a hack and 57 percent gave it a slash that's still a majority slashing it i'm happy with that we have a couple comments from our listeners. Joey on Twitter had this to say. Um, excuse me, they remade this? How did this fly under my whole radar? I feel the same way. Yeah, it was a surprise because I didn't find out about it until like a couple days before it came out. I just love that Joey has a whole radar. I know. The combination of those two words seems like it should work, but I don't know that it does, Joey. I will, however, be using it in the future. I think it works in the written form, but not the oral form. Yeah. There's a missing R. It should be horror dar. Horror. Get out of my face. We have another comment from BTBam310 on Instagram who said, I love the twist when they said pillow fight and pulled out their weapons. But then there were too many tonal shifts and the twist of the guy's behavior and reversed roles felt way too forced. And the Russ Thorn was too much of a caricature of the original. But overall, I liked it for what it was. I agree. I didn't have expectations for it, but I do agree it was a slightly more funnier version than the original. Yeah, this movie was a heightened caricature of a movie that was already a heightened caricature of something else. So I love a hat on top of another hat. And that's why I like this. Finally, we have one last comment from one of our patrons, Taylor, who said this. I don't know what to think about this movie. I love a good horror comedy, but at the end of the day, I thought they were doing too much. I'm not usually one to complain about camp, but it was over the top. I didn't like Russ in this film. His stare was distracting, and I was a little disappointed that all of his lines were the same when they tried so hard to be different from the original. Still, overall, I found this movie effective at what it was trying to do, and I genuinely had a good time watching it. I have to give it a soft slash. And that's our follow-up. Well, on to a different vote. This month's voting featured four films ranging from 2006 to 2018, and the votes were incredibly divided. Now, first and second place in the voting were separated by a mere three votes. So, yes, every vote matters. But ultimately, our winner with 35% of the overall vote is a film that follows a group of friends solving mysterious deaths related to an underground game. A game in which if you die, you actually die in real life. This week, we're talking about the 2006 film Stay Alive. 
Now, this movie was nominated by Alex Poet, who wrote, Stay Alive is a great underrated film that I feel is unique. Can't think of other films off the top of my head that share a similar plot. If you're an RPG horror gamer, you'll enjoy this flick. Been a fave of mine for years. I always wish this game was real. What? To be able to make a character that looks like me and mow down ghouls with my friends would be amazing. While Alex nominated, though, he wasn't alone in his love for the movie. We have several comments that were posted as part of the voting. One from Greg. Stay alive. Please do stay alive. Love this movie. Greg, guess what? I guess we listened. So... Uh, keep giving us commands because we'll just do whatever you say. Next up, Alex B wrote, I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on Stay Alive. I recently rewatched this movie and found it still enjoyable. I know the computer graphics in the video game aren't very good compared to today's standards. Regardless, I found the idea behind the movie interesting and seeing Malcolm no longer stuck in the middle was funny. Also, did anyone else catch that? Because it did. I still like thought about it every time that he spoke a line. Totally. I never really watched Malcolm in the middle. Like, I understand that that's who he is in my mind because I don't know that I've seen him in much else. But I actually didn't mind experiencing him here. You might know him as Agent Cody Banks, though. No, absolutely not. I don't. I just know him as Frankie Muniz, the guy who was Malcolm in the middle. We have another comment from Matt who said, I'm going to vote for Stay Alive because that's a really fun slasher and I wouldn't mind revisiting the DVD I have with you guys. I haven't seen it since like 2009. And finally, Belzora Hollow 3 said, Stay Alive, unrated, director's cut for the goddamn win. Yes. Apparently you see someone's bare ass in that cut. Interesting. I wonder if there was more gore in that one. I'm just sad there was no bare ass in this one. Oh no, it was the guy with the pig mask. You wouldn't have missed it. Never mind. I think I actually did watch the unrated cut because I saw that butt. Well, Paris, I'm not sure if this was your first time watching that bare ass, but for all of us here, who's seen this one before? Believe it or not, I actually have seen this before. Wow. Pretty sure I saw it in theaters Um, being, what was I when this movie came out? 15? Yeah, I was 15 when this movie came out and I was into video games and I was into horror movies. So you better believe I went to see this in theaters. Is this how you celebrated your quinceanera, becoming a woman? Yes. Very interesting because I figure everyone would say they hadn't seen this movie, just like me. I've never heard of this in my entire life. I had to look it up and I got even more confused when I saw Malcolm from Malcolm in the Middle. I didn't realize he was in any horror movie. Okay, so I was really confused, and I watched the trailer after reading the synopsis, because I, I read it, and I was like, I have seen this before. And then I watched the trailer, and I was like, God, I think I've seen this before. And I think the only thing I had seen was the trailer for the movie. I think I watched the trailer way back in the day and was like, nah, I'm good, and, and just passed by it. Um, so no, I, I thought I had, but then upon watching it, I guess I hadn't, but it also kind of felt like I had. It just seemed familiar, but it's also a similar plot to like a ton of different like sci-fi shows. So, uh, I don't know, but apparently I didn't remember anything about it. So I don't think I've actually ever seen it until now. Mm, well, the real plot twist is that Ryan has watched this movie and so has Paris and that feels hateful because <laughs> I haven't. I've never seen this movie before. I've never heard of this movie before. In fact, when I read the concept of a movie in which you're playing a game and if you die in the game, you die IRL, I was just thinking about The Final Nightmare. It's like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie where there's a character who dies in a video game. And that's all that I had to go off of. So upon doing a little bit of initial research, saw that this is Disney's only slasher film. Now, obviously, they own other properties, but I guess it was owned by Disney when it was made. And that led me to believe that this would be something that kind of creates the illusion that it's going to be gory. 
but I didn't expect it to actually deliver on the intensity I think the poster tries to create in your mind. I felt like this was going to be all bark and no bite. Interesting. So I thought it was going to have really great visuals. It's coming out during a time where we had all this awesome... I put that in quotes. I'm not sure. So all of us have different opinions. Uh, sorry, early 2000s, high contrast, green hues. You thought that shit was going to be awesome? I mean, you know what? That's my vibe. So <laughs> I was expecting really good visuals. Not so strong of a cast and maybe not a cohesive, you know, storyline. But essentially entertaining for what it was. But sorry, Paris, I know I am a slash until proven hack, but this might be hack until proven slash. That seems fair, Alexis. Um, I did not remember that I had seen this movie until I was about like 10 minutes in. And I was like, oh, I remember this movie a little bit. Um, But the fact that I didn't remember very much at all had me left with some pretty low expectations for this watch. Oh, any movie that features any kind of video games is almost always going to have horrible expectations in my book. Like anytime they're going to show video games on screen, they almost always do it wrong. And then if the whole movie is about video games and describes these characters as hardcore gamers, um, I'm just expecting it to be laughable. Being laughable is not an unfair expectation, especially since I think gaming culture as a whole was never quite as... Uh, disgusting as it is it's painted in this film but even looking at the way that really things have boomed since then in terms of like twitch i mean i feel like this movie could actually be really well positioned to have a remake i think that'd be really really interesting now when watching this movie i found myself feeling cautiously optimistic about the premise knowing that it was going to be dated right it's early 2000s from the years 2000 to 2008, maybe 2009, I really don't care for the way that horror films looked. Uh, the only exception would be like The Strangers and then the 2009 reboot of uh, Friday the 13th. With that being said, I I found myself trying to like put the visuals outside of my mind, knowing that I'd already be disappointed, but I still managed to feel underwhelmed with the really lackluster performances we got. I felt like the idea felt promising, but I saw our boy Hutch, who's like the main character, and he's painted with like a generic Jim Halpert brush, and it was just uninspired. Uninspired, I think, is the perfect word. That's, I think that sums up how I felt while watching it, because it has some, some, you know, intriguing ideas, I guess, shown on screen and everything while you're watching it, and you know, some of the characters have ridiculous lines, like not just, you know, oh, that's kind of silly or those are bad or something, but utterly ridiculous on purpose. Like they, they try to give one of the characters crazy things to say in response to anything that anyone else says. Like it's never just like a yep. It's always got to be something that's like a really wild retort that no other human being on earth would say. And I don't know if it's to make them seem like edgier or something like, oh, look how cool they are. They have like a cool edgy retort to everything. It was weird, but yeah, edgy retorts. Okay. Also edgy one-liners. Can I tell you that I was today years old when I discovered what butter this muffin means? Really? Disgusting. What about Mean Girls? Oh, I still don't know what it is. It's very like teenage boy culture, which is something I felt 
throughout watching this movie. Like gamer culture has always been like riddled with toxic masculinity. It's very much like a place where like straight boys can go and like say the N word and say the F word and just be real garbage and like let all of that out of themselves. Um, and that's changed somewhat. Like at least it's something that we're now aware of exists. Whereas before it was like our parents don't know that this whole world exists right under their noses and in their houses where we fling slurs at strangers over voice chat. Um, so I got very much that vibe while watching this movie. And needless to say, it wasn't pleasant. It really isn't pleasant at all. And I think that's something that really turned me off of the idea of online gaming for a very long time. I truly only play video games online with Paris and that's Dead by Daylight. Otherwise, voice chat has to be disabled because the moment they hear I'm gay, it's a whole thing. Yeah, he wears a little rainbow charm, a little pride flag charm on his character. And could you imagine we're already getting killed? (laughs) True. The things that the killers might be saying. So this movie, I'm not sure for you guys, the sound was so messed up in this. I don't know if it was my TV, which I doubt it was, but I was like, why do I keep putting this up, down? Sometimes it sounded like they were in the studio, some like voicing over it. And then sometimes the actors felt far away from the source that was gathering their voices. But I, I don't know. It was just odd to me. The most odd thing and... It was very surprising is that opening scene, it got my attention. I was like, please don't let this be in this sort of animated version this entire time. Because it literally reminded me of this computer game I used to play back in the day. Not even sure how old. Might have been 14, 15. I'm not sure. But it's Dracula Resurrection. And I just remember going through these places. I'm like, this looks exactly like it. Exactly like it. No one's played this? I never played that, but thinking about games that I played around the same time, I actually wasn't mad at the graphics in this movie, only because it felt nostalgic. You know what I mean? I never played that one in particular, but I'm thinking about like Resident Evil 2. I'm thinking about Devil May Cry. I'm thinking about like early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s games, and I found like that was a little bit more charming. And honestly, if we had more that took place inside the game, I think I would have been a little bit happier. I'm going to say I'm disappointed by the fact that more didn't take place inside the game. Because I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. Like, it does speak to a certain generation of video games. You know, that very early, like, PS1, PS2, maybe early PS3 games where, you know, everything didn't have to look like real life, but that was still good enough for you. And... I think we could have seen some kills that tied in better to the actual game itself because there was like a, there's like a delay between it. And I think they, they kind of show it in, you know, the, the trailer, they kind of talk about it as if it's going to be like really closely linked. Like I'm, I'm imagining somebody in VR dying and then like just not ever coming out of VR. And that's not really how it works in the film at all. And shortening that gap, I, I think would have improved the quality of the kills. Yeah, I think I'm disappointed that it didn't work like that in the game. And I think that's one of the things that surprised me, looking at how much time takes place and how quickly they catch on to exactly what's happening and then the different places they go. This movie felt bigger in terms of its runtime and in terms of the way the plot moves than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be kind of like Final Destination where everything happens kind of quickly And this one managed to drag itself out a little bit more than I think I cared for it to. I think the one thing that really, really disappointed me even more, though, was how much this movie didn't even live up to its own potential 
that you see later on in the movie. There's a point where they play with mixing the realities of the game and the movie. And at that point, it's so far into it that you're like, well, this is just confusing now. What is the point of this? But again, I'm not super mad at it. I just wish this movie could be remade right now so they could get it right. Interesting you said that because I was surprised at how much that second half was entertaining for me. And I know it's probably because I don't have that much background playing video games, especially horror movie video games for that time. But it was still entertaining and it wasn't like it was so grounded in some sort of language that I wouldn't have known. But for someone on the outside, I like that duality that it had. I think Chris... Alexis, Mac, you've all really touched on my disappointments with this movie, and that's the potential of what this idea could be. There's an episode of Black Mirror called Playtest. Yes. That takes a very similar premise and really does it in a way that's actually frightening It's at a couple points um, and is really very like thought-provoking and interesting and dynamic and compelling. Um, and this was this was nothing of the sort. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that episode until right now. It's one of my favorite episodes. And here's the thing. Well, I like that. And then San Junipero. I, my problem is I was racking my brain earlier thinking, what is this like? And all I could think about was Nightmare on Elm Street, the final nightmare with that one video game death. That's the one thing I could think of. But you're right. That episode of Black Mirror does it really, really well. And I think that's because it be, it feels so much more tense. And I think about the types of experiences that we have now with modern technology. And I think about the one time I tried to play a horror game in VR. It, it was a fun time, but I think it was a little disappointing because it was so clear that it relied on a completely black screen with a small flashlight with sounds around you. And it relied more on jump scare tactics than I think like a, a frightening narrative. And I think even this movie has the potential when you think about, you know, Elizabeth Bathory and the backstory there, I think this had the potential to be frightening, but it loses itself with slapstick comedy characters and really bland performances along the way that it waters down any, you know, sense of tension that you have. I see where you're coming from, and I do agree. It had the potential, especially with its backstory. But also, I feel like the ending of this movie, and I don't mean to jump ahead a little bit, but the ending left me a little bit frightened, sort of, to see, without giving away too much, what could be had they made a second one. <laughs> I didn't find it scary at all, and that's just who I am. But I, I think it's also kind of betrayed by the premise, because video games in general aren't really that scary. I mean, maybe some people find them scary, but I just think that like, you have a clear separation of of like the media and then reality already. Cause you're playing a video game. You know that it's fake. I'm confused because I've seen people play dead by daylight and they jump and stuff like that. And they're terrified. Yeah. I don't get that at all. I think dead by daylight's fun, but I don't think it's scary. Okay. Well, clearly you haven't had Michael Myers with no terror radius. Just pop out at you while you're working on a generator. Yeah. And then it explodes in your face and you run and you get stabbed. Like obviously it's not real Mac, but it is still fun. Scary. Yeah, the stakes are high and you honestly are like dropped in this situation of not knowing what's coming. Those killers without a terror radius in Dead by Daylight, terrifying. The fucking pig? The pig? Ugh. The sound of Ghostface's little robe billowing in the wind and you realize he's two inches away from you? Spooked. See, 
just doesn't do it for me. (laughs) I just, like, I never found horror games scary. Like, Resident Evil, never. I just, mostly they bore me. Like, I don't like walking around looking for things and then having things jump out at me. Or, like, zombie games. Like, I love zombie movies, but playing zombie games is just so boring to me. And and that's just maybe me as a gamer because I enjoy, like, you know, fast-paced, first-person shooter stuff. And so maybe it's maybe it's just because I'm boring. No, you're just married. Wow. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, to be fair, Mac was the same before he was married. Yeah, I was always mm. boring. Don't be salty. I think his dating life, obviously, was more exciting. Obviously, all of ours. He started this podcast before he ever met his wife. So let's be clear here. He's always been a robot. Ultimately, I feel like this, for the time, attempted to do some really original things. And that's fair to give it some points for. Yeah, especially when Frankie Muniz talks about voice activation being next generation tech. Oh, God. I feel like when you guys talk about technology, I'm just blown away because I'm still using a computer that can't do two things at once so <laughs> i'm sorry if i had if i if i get a game that requires paris and i to chant a prayer or uh, a ancient seance script before playing i don't know that i'd feel comfortable yeah i feel like we've watched enough movies that you don't do that i don't know paris you said it was original maybe this doesn't feel original to me because i'm watching it you know in 2021 But, I mean, I think the whole duality of you're in a video game, then it's real life. To me, that felt original. I feel like I don't see that that often, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just not watching a lot of video game movies. I think you can for sure consider it that way, right? I think now, since this movie came out, we have that episode of Black Mirror. I think we have Ready Player One. I think the reality, though, is that this still carves itself an original space because it's also an oversaturated market. And for good reason, um, because it was oversaturated in the early 90s when the idea of VR was huge. That's when you had a ton of TV shows coming out with the idea that like, and movies, but oh, you're in VR, something happens to you, like your your brain will tell your body to like do it. I was literally watching Lois and Clark, and that was an episode in which like Lois gets trapped in a VR game with some psycho, and he's like, ah, you know. If something happens to you in the game, it's going to happen to you in real life in the early 90s. And there were so many other examples of that. I mean, VR as a concept was massive in, in the in the 80s and in the 90s because everyone thought it was going to happen. And the metaverse still hasn't happened in 2021. So I, I don't think as a concept, it's, it's wholly original. I think it to me seems kind of like those other movies in the early 2000s where it's like, oh, you have, you find some kind of omen and then now you're marked by it, whether it's watching a videotape or getting a phone call or whatever it's going to be. Um, but the whole like video game concept where it happens in real life, totally saw it 20 different times, 10 or 15 years before. Okay. Well, if you want to do all that, we could technically go back to 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street. If you died in your dreams, you died in real life. Same, same, but different. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But. A Nightmare on Elm Street did have a way more satisfying ending than this fucking movie. Uh, it's it's something that I think, Alexis, you mentioned earlier, it would be interesting to see what a sequel could look like. Absolutely. I think it ends on a better note. But I think the resolution for the immediate characters is just so... Eh. I We're expected to see some measure of growth from one of the characters that we don't really get. 
Honestly, Hutch isn't really a convincing leading man by any stretch of the imagination. Everything that we get with him and Abigail trying to really take things on there at the end on their own, it didn't feel convincing. It didn't feel like they were capable. And uh, I, I think the good thing about the ending was just that final moment of realizing that the game's reach. But beyond that, it was lackluster. Yeah, I do like that part. Um, and I thought it was original, that last part. But I see where you're coming from with the characters. I think I forgot there were characters in here. I was just, you know, the visuals were stunning. So I know we'll talk about all this in the second half. But Were they, though? I mean, depends what you're talking about. But I don't know. It kept my attention. The epitome of movie visuals for Alexis is the original Saw. That's as good as it gets for movies. So, uh, Don't forget The Collector. I really like that one, too. I'll say the ending was was lackluster, just like the rest of the movie. We've kind of mentioned it. It did feel just it wasn't very satisfying because they they came to a conclusion and then very quickly undid that conclusion. So it's like, did anything truly matter with what you just did at the end of this movie? Like I and I hate when movies do that. If if you're going to have a sequel and you have it planned out and it's already like greenlit and everything like I get it. But if you're just going to be like, hey, they did all this work and now none of it matters. What's the point? Well, the point is, Mac, they told GameStop that they would advertise for them, so they had to slip that in there at the end. Otherwise, though, I think this movie kind of felt like it was made up as it went along, and that is reflective in the ending. But they did give a shout-out to G4 Tech TV. (gasps) And wow, how dated that felt. Oh my god, remember G4? Remember Olivia Munn's origin story? I do. I was watching back then before it was, you know... I was watching Tech TV before it was G4 Tech TV, and then before it was G4 eventually, I guess. I don't know. It's, it was a weird it was a weird moment in time. And now you're drinking G Fuel. What is G Fuel? It's like a, a gamer energy drink that all the Twitch streamers partner with. Is it Mountain Dew, Code Red? Oh. <laughs> pretty much, but I'm pretty sure it's like just cocaine in different flavors. Well, let's see if we can fuel our way onto these ratings. Now, before we actually score in this movie, Alexis, how many people died? We had a total of seven people die in this movie. Mm, And what about the animal report? It is all good. I mean, if you're worried about wild pixels dying, maybe that's a concern. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead and get on to our ratings. Stay Alive from 2006. Selected by our patrons. Adored by our patrons. Was it Hacker Slash? I actually am figuring out how I'm going to talk myself through my rating right now. I'm not sure if I watched this movie and at the end thought it was a waste of time. But this movie has a lot of things, and it sets up rules which they don't follow by in this whole movie. But you know me, I suspend my disbelief on a lot of things, and I thought overall this movie was entertaining. Like I said, I didn't focus on the characters. I didn't... I I mean, I just thought it was a very surface-level watch, uh, I, I didn't dive deep into it. Also, I have no gaming experience, so I can't hack or slash it for that reason. But I thought it was entertaining, so I'm going to give it a slash. It should come as no surprise. While I may adore our patrons, I did not adore this movie. This movie, to me, can really be exemplified by its opening scene, which starts off kind of promising. You're like, oh, interesting idea. Video game, horror, die in the game, die in real life. Let's see what we do with that. And by the end of the opening scene, you get like this kill that is like a potentially main character dying in a way that's so like impotent and flaccid because they like pull the audio out of it. And it could be this like big like boom, but it really it's just like, and you're like, oh, okay, 
that's that moving on um and i feel like flaccid is the best way to describe this movie like yeah it had potential but like if you can't get it up what good is that potential it's useless to me as a viewer the writing in this movie was so bad there were times where i laughed out loud with how little it made sense like i'm wondering how the actors justified the reasoning for some of the lines because i'm like do you realize how you just said this and now you're saying this and that doesn't make any sense as any human person Anyway, the characters were bad. The movie was bad. I could barely find anything nice to say about this. Patrons, I'm so sorry, but I still love you, and we will reunite on the next one. I have faith. Here we are to staggering 50% hack, 50% slash. Let's see where Matt goes. Well, I'm going team hack here, and I don't think it's surprising. I can't really speak highly of this movie in any way, and it's got things stacked against it. It's talking about computers in any form or fashion is talking about video games and almost always when those things are mixed with a movie they're just bad because when you try to make them into some kind of weird mainstream thing you just they just make bad movies i mean like on on tv you get people like two people typing on one keyboard that's what happens when hollywood tries to make any kind of media that refers to like electronics they just do it all wrong and this is what the movie felt like to me it just felt like somebody who didn't really care about the idea of video games making a movie centered around it. I think it would have worked much better if it were related to like books, like somebody's reading a book and then the things they read start happening in real life. I'm sure that's been made. It would have been a better fit, I think, for this kind of idea because you have a little bit more flexibility and this one took too much flexibility. Like Alexis said, it didn't really follow the rules that it, it set to begin with. And so the premise seemed interesting enough in the beginning. We start to jump into it a little bit. And I'm like, okay, maybe this will be kind of entertaining. And then very quickly, they were like, remember when we paid somebody to give us some 3D graphics we're not going to do that for the rest of the movie we're going to show you like three seconds of those clips from now on and then also the rules that we established don't really matter because we just we need to finish this movie somehow so i didn't really find it that entertaining it was very surface level like alexis mentioned it is a very kind of shallow watch i feel like this would have been a movie that played on g4 tech tv at like two in the morning and you're just like sick and you you're you can't fall asleep and you need something to watch and this is what you would put on and then you would probably turn the tv off and fall asleep because you'd had enough of it so it's not a it's not a horrible movie it's not pure trash i just feel like there was just too much stacked against it and and it just didn't work for me so it's a heck Okay, so there are a lot of strong feelings here, and I think it only makes sense that there would be, given the strong feelings that we had from our patrons when they were nominating and voting this. And when I think back to a lot of what was originally said, it's relatively unknown, it's underrated, and it's something that is a unique ride and is fun to watch. And I think for the most part, I would actually agree with that. I I can't speak to its the quality of it being like underrated or not, but... I do think that this is a movie that, you know, makes a promise of you play a game and if you die, you die in real life. And I think a lot of the things that we get in the beginning of the movie that set that stage and the way that we discover the similarities and parallels between these real people and their digital avatars, I think that's really, really interesting. I think one of the things that I struggle with is this movie does have so much potential. And I think, you know, this movie has something really strong going against it which is the dialogue and then i think of something that it has going in its favor and that's just the entire fucking concept of this video game and for me that brings it at a nice like 50 50 break so it can go in either direction 
But then you get a lackluster performance from Hutch. You get a character who doesn't really grow by any means. It seems like you're supposed to root for him, but he gives you just really nothing to work with. There's a point where he starts washing red Solo cups. Who washes red Solo cups? I do. Okay, that was funny, though. As if it's actually dishware. You probably wash it if you're going to, like, regularly have parties. But this was clearly the only kind of liquid vessel that existed in this apartment. Between that and Finn's dialogue, granted, I think the actor portraying him did a stellar job because I think he he painted him exactly the way he was written. You know what I mean? But I don't like the way he was written. I don't like a lot of the comments that come out of it. And ultimately, it gets a hack. Now, it's not a hack that I hate and it's not a hack that I would never watch again. I totally get why our patrons love this movie. And I absolutely want to see a remake of it one day. I really do. And maybe, maybe, I don't know that it could be swayed this much, but I would be willing to watch the unrated director's cut. But overall, this movie left me deflated. And that's a bit of a bummer. But with that, Stay Alive from 2006 has earned three hacks and one slash. Now you can find this movie available for rent or purchase online. Sounds like a lot of folks are fans of the unrated cut, so maybe you should check that out instead. Either way, join us in the second half so we can hit start together. We'll see you in a bit. October is the best streamer for horror games on Twitch. She's engaging, entertaining, and knows how to keep her viewers on like the edge of their seats. If you're looking to get scared out of your mind or just like want to watch someone else do it, October's the streamer for you. She's got a talent for picking the most spine-chilling games, and her chat is always packed with viewers ready to join in on the fun. October's Twitch chat is full of jiggle physics, and it's a perfect place to get your horror game fix. Whether you're a Dead by Daylight expert or like a Resident Evil newbie, October has something for everyone. Her stream is always full of laughs, scares, and plenty of awesome giveaways. So what are you waiting for? Join the fun and subscribe to October's Twitch chat today. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for the patron-nominated and selected Stay Alive from 2006, which has earned three hacks and one slash. Now, we have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics of why we overwhelmingly hacked this movie, we have the matter of gore to attend to. Alexis, what's the gore score for this movie? Uh, It's fairly low, in my opinion. I think everyone can agree on that. Really just a bucket of red stuff thrown at a wall and then horses running over a guy? Yeah. Weak. I mean, even the horse is running over. I mean, this movie, every time there was a death, I wanted to see a little bit more. I know I'm a little crazy. In general, I'm always asking for more blood, more of this, more of that. But it doesn't linger on any sort of kill. So obviously, this movie screams PG-13. And I really wish that they would have added a little bit more. And made this a rated R movie because I feel like that would have been the best option, in my opinion. But I get it. You want people in the seats in the theater in 2006, so you make it PG-13. Well, it's that director's cut. Can you imagine if this was remade today and it had like mangled kills like Suspiria? Okay, we don't have to go that far. There's a, you know, a nice middle ground. <laughs> but think about it. Like, if you can do anything inside of a video game, it's all just pixels and polygons and everything. If that were to then happen in real life, you could just totally destroy some corpses on screen. That would be nice. It would also be nice to get 
you know, these crime scene photos that we get. I, I like that, but also wanted it to linger more. I'm sorry, just casually browsing the police database. No big deal. The more I talk about this, the more I'm like, maybe I should have hacked it. But uh, uh. <laughs> maybe I should have read my notes for the second half. But I have to say, my favorite kill, so hopefully I don't take it from anyone, is going to be October. I think because I was expecting the rules to be followed and then she needed to play in the game and then she didn't in order to be killed and she had that kill. So I think it was because it was the one I didn't expect because all of them to me are a little lackluster. Well, the reality is don't hate the player, hate the game because the game just kept playing itself even when no one else was touching it. But I think my favorite death is actually a semi-underwhelming one. It's actually Loomis, but only because I really enjoyed the first realization of you see that his character is wearing the same thing that his game character was wearing, and you realize you're connecting the dots along the way as you go. The only thing that I didn't like and what didn't make sense was why he got out of bed with a lighter. Unnecessary. There's enough natural moonlight falling in there. You solely didn't pick his death just because it was Loomis Crowley? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I honestly picked his death because his name is Loomis, like Sam Sam Loomis. But really, the the Zippo thing was the only thing that bothered me about it. I like the suddenness of his death. The Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I forgot. There's one more goofy thing about his death where he throws milk at a ghost. Or he thinks it's a ghost. He thinks it's a shape. And he just like throws the glass dramatically he doesn't like throw the glass as if it's an object that could hurt someone he like splashes the milk at the person it's just ridiculous like a real housewife with a glass of wine yes i'm right there with you alexis my favorite death was also october because i think the scene leading up to her death was like the closest thing to like decent suspense that we got throughout the whole movie and that was a time where i was like desperate to like buy into this in some capacity uh so i agree that that was my fave death. And also just saying like, go fuck yourself and then having her throat slit. I was like, you better work, bitch. See, that would have been so great. Except I was less than thrilled that she already knew what was going on and still walked into the house with the dead spooky specter in. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you doing in October? I thought the same thing. And my boyfriend and I commented on that. And then he was like, oh, wait, never mind. She has a vendetta against the ghost, which she did declare in a couple of scenes prior. It was a feud. You're right. It was personal for October. Someone ran over her brother in a horse-drawn carriage. She's going to find who it is and make them pay. I'm going to pick a kill that is probably not one that most people would, and it's Detective King. Because if you're not going to show a kill, I think this is the way to not show it. They show the kill inside the game, and it looks like it's a really gruesome one, or it's going to be a gruesome one. And then he gets into his car, and you have a clear view of the car, and you can hear like the sound of him being killed. And so I think it plays on your, you know, your mind's ability to create the picture just enough. Okay, do I love the imagination? Absolutely, Mac. I think that's obviously a fantastic way to go. I take issue with that death because it felt very Scream to Randy's death. Mm, okay more like vandy's death it's not bad overall mac I, I see why you picked it but let me tell you the death that i wish happened i wish hutch would have just fucking burned in the fire as a child so that none of this ever would have happened no not at all because i think this this movie would have happened without hutch because loomis had the game it probably would have just stopped right at loomis and his friends but the problem for me is that hutch is supposed to be the central character that we follow 
he has a fear of fire to the point where he can even be around a zippo ladder, man. No, man, you can you can keep that. It's cool. Or someone lights up a cigarette near him. They make it seem like it's going to be this thing that he eventually overcomes, like the fire is set off in the room. But then he just crawls back in a corner again like a child and puts his arm around and Frankie has to come back from the fucking dead to save him. <laughs> That's what it took. That's what it took for him to not die. And honestly, I wish Frankie and Abigail would have just gotten out of there and left Hutch to sacrifice himself because honestly, he was very bland. I agree with you. I feel like they built that up a lot. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of foreshadowing going on right now. Multiple times. Like, I get it. He's going to conquer some sort of fire. But we like you mentioned, kind of lackluster on the ending because of that. Wish he would have died in the torture room because I love that scene and visually favorite because it just reminds me of a very good mix between Saw and Hostel. Do y'all remember in Hostel? Wait. If you don't remember, it sounds like Paris is going to fill you in. Alexis, are you talking about in Hostel 2? Yes, with the girl with the... Hanging upside down? Yes, and the other girl in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. There was a bathtub right under her. Yes. She was ready I to bleed that happen. girl out and use her blood to make herself younger. And I said, okay, reference. Yeah, no, I really love this room. And it's another point where I wish there was something done in this room other than October just, you know, wincing over some ghost. Yeah, Alexis, that was actually my favorite visual as well was abigail hanging upside down over that bathtub because it reminded me of something that i love which is that scene in hostel too and also it like implied a deeper richer backstory for this like countess witch villain that i don't think we really got enough of yeah i'll drop a link in the show notes to the actual backstory behind this woman in history but the potential of that moment for abigail was it was compelling i think what also kind of took me out of things was that she reminds me of someone who is Jennifer Tilly adjacent. Oh yeah, I get that. And I just watched the se- the season finale of the Chucky TV series in which Jennifer Tilly stars, of course. And that's all I have on my mind now. And it's impossible to just look at that face and not hear her voice come out. I don't have a ton in this movie that I loved to look at. I mean, it does have that very early to mid 2000s aesthetic that I'm also not a huge fan of. So there's not a lot to love for me. But... I did kind of, I did kind of chuckle when the group is all together, like playing the video game, like on the couch. And that just like felt like an old video games commercial. That's what like they tried to sell it as, right? This is what kids would do or, or even adults would do. And that was cool as you would slam some Mountain Dew, sit on the couch with like five of your friends and have a bunch of TV set up so you could all see yourselves playing, I guess, but see everyone else play at the same time. I didn't really understand. Uh, how this game works for multiplayer, but um, it just kind of cracked me up because it did feel super dated. I think if this was made in 2021, everyone would just be at home on their own, connected with the internet. Is that what a LAN party is? So a LAN, a LAN party is is local, right? So you would get in a room. Usually you would set up tables, like somebody would have folding tables and you would have like a bunch of like surge protectors all hooked up and wires everywhere. But you would typically have multiple tables to be able to house everybody's crap. Sounds like a party I'm missing out on. Oh, you're, you're definitely missing out. A good LAN party back in the day was very fun. 
I prefer D&D. I prefer getting all the boys together to smash. Classic. Actually, Mac, my favorite visual comes right after that. And it's the moment when we have Miller who's wrapping up for the evening. He's seeing some spooky things. And there's a point where he bends down to grab the controller. And we see this shadowy figure just kind of erecting in the background. And I loved that. I loved that moment of playing with depth. Right. And looking at creating things and, and using the paranoia you may have had in the game. Not that we, the audience did, but perhaps Miller, uh, seeing things in your periphery that you question whether or not they're there. I really love that moment. And I felt like that was potential wasted because they didn't do a whole lot of that the rest of the movie. You know, that moment and then leading up to Miller's ultimate death was absolutely my favorite scene. If only because it felt like this very clever way of starting to pick off the friends one by one. And I really enjoyed the idea of it just being this douchey guy who's obviously not core to the main group. Just getting getting gotten in an office building late at night. I, I love the way they did that in the in the beginning of the movie because they didn't have to show too much. But it was way more effective than when you got to see the clearly CGI'd ghost later on. So horrible. So horrible. Oh, what about the ghoul or the ghost rippling through after they say the prayer? Oh my god! You know we can we can hate on it, but it did give me some vibes uh, of a movie we just watched with a ghost like passing through people. Poltergeist. Oh yeah, it was definitely like 2006's version of, of Poltergeist, like rippling through the screen. <laughs> yeah, except none of them looked at each other and thought, "It's her. Let's sm- smell this. It's, it smells just like her." So my favorite scene is definitely when they're going to the plantation because I think it sets up a scene where it's kind of jinxy, it's Scooby-Doo, it's like, let's look for some clues. And that's where you get that duality between the video game and what's going on in real life. And I just like that, you know, Swink is navigating Hutch through the house, which I I just love. It's just, it's simplistic. But I do like because you're getting some of the backstory and then you go through this secret passageway and you're really diving into this house and seeing what all there is. I do wish it was extended a little bit more. You know, I like my backstory, so... I wish there was more to that. I'm going to say my favorite scene is a bad scene, but it was to the point where it was so bad that I started laughing a lot. It's the scene where Hutch is like really opening up about his theory. He's like, I think the video game is killing people because when you go into the, like when you die in the game, you die in real life. To which October says, you know what? I think you might be right. And here's some evidence I have to support your theory. And he responds with, oh my God, you sound crazy. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, this dumb fuck. I was like, what? Oh, she's literally validating your opinion with like facts and evidence. And you're saying she's crazy for following up on the crazy idea that you have. It was so stupid. And it was so evident that this movie was like written by white dudes. And it was like so terribly written. It was, and I think that doesn't become any truer than when you look at the rest of the fucking characters in this movie. There isn't a single redeemable one. Even the one that, like, you know, you have Abigail, who is maybe one of the more interesting ones on paper. She's still pretty one-dimensional and lackluster. October, I think, had potential, and then she's just easily dispatched and is reduced to nothing as soon as her brother dies. This movie had ideas where I think if you could take these character concepts and put them down on paper and then say, cool, different group of people make this movie, they'd end up, there'd end up being massive improvements along the way, but it was just overall such a, 
Such a disappointing turn for every single one of them. Even the cops sucked. Detective Thibodeau is in so many comedic roles that I was like, yep, I feel like I'm watching Chris Rock again in the book of Saw. But I agree, Chris, they really are super stereotypical and not even in a good way, because obviously this movie isn't trying to make fun of those stereotypes. They are trying to fit these people in this mold, and it just did not work. I do not know what mold they were trying to fit that detective in, but they had him in these like 1970s zoot suits. And then like at one point he shows up in a Cadillac when everyone else is in like a squad car. And my boyfriend and I were just cracking up. Okay, but hold on, because one of the best songs in my Apple Music library is a song called Zoot Suit Riot. And now you've made me much happier. And I like that detective much more. (laughs) That's how the math works. It's kind of sad that I know that song very well. Doesn't everybody know that song? It's because everybody used to love Brian Setzer back in the day. Don't know who that is. But I did know every person in this cast, which is really interesting in various 2000s type where you load a movie with characters everyone knows, but, you know, make them not have an arc, nothing important. But Jimmy Simpson as Finn, I love. I'll give him that credit because I love watching Russ World and I love him in mm-hmm. it. So... I enjoyed his performance even in it. Yeah, he, like, I think Chris mentioned earlier how well he nailed his character. And so while his character's horrible and his lines were trash, he did them so well that it almost was enjoyable. Mm, yeah, the character still isn't enjoyable for me, but he is clearly a cut above the rest in terms of the quality of his performance. Absolutely. What kills me, though, is his dialogue. Like, it's like eating a beef. At first, it's awesome. And then it's just monotonous like what the fuck dude that's what he said oh i didn't catch that i was like what is he even talking about beave oh that word's not even in my vocabulary (laughs) it didn't register it's that and that's i think the other problem right that type of dialogue written with these characters is just enough to reduce any measure of relatability to the story for me that it feels very much like outsider looking in and looking at like that's a party i don't really want to be at yeah he seems Kind of like back in the day, how everyone thought it was cute that Rachel Ray said delish. It's like when you hear Rachel Ray say delish 4,000 times, that's every one of his lines. It's like very deliberately uncool. I think the trouble with the characters in this movie is who exactly are you supposed to identify with? Who exactly are you supposed to like link up with, connect with, and root for? Because most of the characters are, they're just so like mediocre, right? They are. And flaccid that Paris mentioned earlier, it, it kind of works really, really well. Like nobody really stands up here. Nobody really stands out from the rest of the group. And, you know, I, I know that you got a little like cookie cutter wannabe John Krasinski energy from, from uh, <laughs> the <laughs> characters, Chris, but no, that, that would have been really nice if somebody was actually like endearing and we cared about them. But for the most part, like they made them all seem like jerks. And that yeah. I think was a mistake because this whole like idea of a gamer counterculture was also a huge mistake when you realize that most gamers are just really nerds, you know, kind of just like all the rest of us these days. Like you don't have to have like a separate gamer class, right? And then the pro gamers are, are many times jerks, but not in the way that they show them in this movie. They're just egotists in many cases or they just don't care. Yeah, speaking of jerks, can we talk about how Abigail seems like this lovely human, but then when we're introduced to her, she's at a funeral where she knows no one and she's fucking taking pictures of people mourning as if J. Jonah Jameson has dispatched to take pictures of Spider-Man. Okay, can I tell you my theory on this? I would love to know because it was very awkward for me too. 
My theory the entire time was that she's the one who made the game. Oh, yeah, the blonde. I thought the same thing, Mac. That would have been awesome. Doesn't it make sense, though? Like, she's, like, keeping track of how it's doing, and she seems kind of weirdly okay with what's going on and even okay going into, you know, the scary place in the end. Um, I mean, obviously, she's scared, so it turned out that she wasn't involved. But I was like, but somebody made this game, and it's she's the outsider. She fits the mold. It would only make sense, and she was also dumb enough to, instead of using that rose for protection, instead sit there and say, he loves me, he loves me not. Destroying the rose right. that was meant to protect her. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have to give a worst part, which I feel like I talked about the entire podcast. But it's definitely when you have this zombie girl. I don't know what she is, but she reminds me of like some sort of commercial or whatever comes before the movie. That's the production team, and it's... I don't know. It's just reminding of something that should not be in the movie, and especially when she's crawling and then in the basement, especially. It's just very thrown in there. And I maybe that was probably the CGI, but it was horrible compared to the other things you got on screen. Okay, but that relates to the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Oh, uh, what? Yes. Okay, so when they first get into the game, just thinking it's a regular game that hasn't been released, and they're just playing, and there's like a ton of little ghost girls running around that they have to hunt, that actually looks like a pretty solid game. But not when it's put in real life all of a sudden. It's just interesting. And I like the duality, but I just... Something about those ghosts looked freaking mm. horrible. Yeah, so for me, the best thing also has to do with the game... But it's when Frankie as Swink is just going boss mode, you know, navigating Hutch because Hutch is incapable of doing anything on his own through the world, the real world. And there's a moment where he even drops a crowbar on the stairs and all of a sudden it's there in real life. This moment makes no sense. This moment alone in this movie, just take it out. You've ruined the rest of the movie by showing, oh, this is something we could have done all along. But then you didn't. So fuck you guys. But... That was a really cool moment, and I thought yeah, that was the moment that it almost actually made me slosh the movie because I was like, oh, man, like how sick could the rest of this movie be if they keep doing stuff like this? And they didn't really. That was a problem for me. Yeah, that crossbow would have been nice to have. I will say my favorite part of this movie, and I am absolutely reaching here, it's October as a general vibe. Like, first of all, being named October is very hot. She was very hot. She seemed to be like one of the few characters that was like, close to competent and did things that made sense for the most part, except for when she went over that, went after that ghost out of like revenge. She was like broke into that old house to do so and get killed. Um, her bangs were really good. She did have this sort of like elitist, like I'm a gamer girl and you're not a girl that plays games. So you're not as good as me. This is my place where I was kind of like, get out of here with that. Um, but I didn't expect too much from a character written by who wrote these characters. Mm. A backup best part of this movie goes to the actress who played Abigail actually being born on October 31st. Good for her. Okay, wait. Side note, Abigail's bangs jumped back and forth through multiple scenes. Did anyone else see it? Yes. If you're a true emo chick, you have to do that or your part gets so bad and it doesn't cover your face. It'll just start like not covering your eyes. So you actually have to flip your your bangs. Emo tips with Alexis. Yes, I will give you all of them. I even studied my own belt. I love the authenticity of like the single bobby pin that she had for the bangs. I was like, that's real. That was true. Oh, also important when you need to do things that you need to have your hair back for. 
Okay, so speaking of bangs, <laughs> this movie was not a bang for me, so I don't think I would want to watch it again. Again, it, you know, it kind of seems like a movie that's on at two in the morning and you just like stumble across because you're tired and you have insomnia at the same time. But I would watch it then. I would say I, it will probably be removed from my watching experience for a while. But if it's on TV, which is random because I don't even have television subscription. But if I did and it was on, it'd be like something I'd keep watching. I believe in the potential of this movie. I believe in seeing a remake of this movie. I will not watch the exact cut I did ever again, though. Yeah, interestingly enough, Chris has officially sold me on a remake of this movie. I think there's a lot of potential here. Um, I will never watch this again. Okay, crazy idea. The year is 2023, and we have made a remake of this movie with Dead by Daylight. I'll take it. Wait, only if you have Frankie Munez show up. No. And he has to be in the golf cart with all of his brothers. Uh, we can get Ryan in a visor, and I think that'll be close enough. Oh, yeah. But speaking of close enough, let's see how close we can fare to success in fact or fiction. Well, success is the right word, because speaking of career success, we're going to be talking about Frankie Munez tonight. And our boy Frankie, number one here, Frankie learned to play the drums from Zach Hansen. I'm sorry, but... I'm here watching you do this. I can tell when you're lying. Um, this is fiction. Did he play the drums in this movie? Or is this just like general Frankie Muniz trivia? Just, it's this- just general. Okay. I'm going to say sure. Yes, this is fact. I'd also like to go on the record and saying that I'm still convinced that Mbop doesn't have any real lyrics. <laughs> well, I don't know whether or not that's fact or fiction, but I can tell you that the thing I said was indeed a fact. Huh. You're just uh, throwing your bluffs out. Yeah. Can't tell when he's lying at all, can you? He stuttered a little bit. Alexis, wait. You missed it, but last time it was just me doing fact and fiction, fact or fiction, and I got all of them right. That is true. That's a fact. So speaking of fact or fiction, let's let's keep going here. Let's go to number two. Frankie not only learned to play the drums from a Hanson, but is best friends with the Hansons. I mean, they do look like they got slimed together on Nickelodeon, so possibly a fact. No, I'm going to say fiction because I think Mac is pushing this too far. I'm not pushing it too far because this is a fact. Damn, my streak is over. Uh, somebody <laughs> had to lose eventually. Let's keep going. Number three here, Frankie owned the Volkswagen Jetta from Fast and the Furious. Frankie seems like the type of guy that would blow his money on some stupid stuff like that. So fact. I don't know what that means. So I'm going to say fiction. This one, again, is a fact. So he did own it, and uh, he sold it, I think, somewhere around, like, 2016. Uh, And I don't know if anyone knows where it is now. Who knows? But uh, anytime I get a chance to talk about Fast and the Furious, obviously, I'm going to bring it up. So, Uh, Number four, Ricky Munoz can tap dance. You looked at me real hard on that one. Fiction. Fact. Also fact. And, of course, number five, he is also an experienced juggler. Fuck it. Fact. Fiction. Anytime it's juggling, I feel like it's fiction. You are correct. Whether or not he can juggle, I don't know, but I did just make this up. So it is indeed a fiction. And that's been Fact or Fiction. Well, we've certainly juggled a lot here. And maybe we juggled our patrons' hearts just a little bit more than that. Because Stay Alive from 2006, as picked by them, has earned three hacks and one slash. Now, we've had a lot to talk about here, but it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think. Keep in mind there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.live, and on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're more of a multiplayer person, you can reach out to us on our Hackerslash hotline. You can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128, 
or visit hackerslash.live to send us an audio message. But if you're a single player person, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. You can visit patreon.com slash hackerslash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, whoever said size doesn't matter, never played a third person shooter. Bye. Bye.